Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Four Seasons Fire American Soccer Show. This is the champion, the CONCACAF Champions Cup first round, first leg for the MLS Club's review show. And we're going to jump right into it as we're going to talk to our first guest tonight. He covers the Philadelphia Union for Philadelphia Soccer Now. It is one and the only Matt Ralph. Matt, welcome back. Happy Champions Cup week review show time. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun once again. And uh, how are you, sir? Good. Uh, it's great to be back and great to be talking soccer, uh, maybe talking something other than Open Cup right now. Actually, <laughs> it's kind of nice. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, with that situation, but let's talk about, of course, uh, Philadelphia Union. Once again, they've qualified for the CONCACAF Champions Cup uh, through the third place match of the League's Cup last year. You took on, which looks like it might be revenge time, depending on what you did against Deportivo Saprissa in the first leg down over at the Dragons Den at the Estadio Ricardo Saprissa, and uh, Philip Union does it again, 3-2 victory. What did you make of the match overall? Well, I mean, first of all, you knew going into it, uh, the, the, the first ever Union uh, international game was against Saprissa, but the stadium was empty in Costa Rica. So uh, you knew it was going to be different right from the, the get-go, that it was going to be a uh, a hostile crowd. I mean, they're known for their uh, their fan support there, and um, and then when, when the game gets started, you notice that uh, even through the broadcast that it is just pouring and, and it's windy, and um, it's sort of as the game kicked off, it's like it it just really kind of felt like oh, this could be a, a really difficult situation, and it was. I mean, the first half uh, was kind of a nightmare. Um, Saprissa had lots of chances. They probably could have been up two or three to nothing. As it was, uh, one of the worst own goals you'll see uh, put the Union behind the eight ball a little bit um, in the first half. And uh, second half was a totally different story. I mean, it, I was telling someone it, it, remind, it reminds me a lot of it reminded me a lot in the end of uh, some of the games the Union have had over the years against weaker MLS opponents where. Um, they concede a lot of opportunities, but the, uh, their opponent, fortunately for them, uh, isn't able to, to bury their chances. And then they kind of find their way into the game. And, and essentially what they did was uh, they got the ball to Julian Carranza and uh, you know, made, made some really good uh, – Jim Curtin made some great adjustments at half. Um, noticed you know, kind of how Saprissa was playing them and that they needed to, um, you know, to, 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 to make changes to that to, to get uh, Julian involved more. And – um, you know, he had a hat trick and just really um, an outstanding second half. So it was really a tale of two halves. A terrible first half, terrible first 45 minutes to start the season. Um, but in the end, the 3-2 win, which, um, you know, you take it, uh, certainly in that in those conditions. Absolutely. Three away goals for the Union going down into Costa Rica at the Estadio Ricardo Saprissa. I, I will say this, though, and... I don't know if there is anyone to blame for the own goal. Obviously, mm-hmm. Glesnes did return the ball to Andre Blake, but was the conditions windy? Did Glesnes ap- uh, accidentally mishit the ball hard enough back to Andre Blake, or was it Blake being putting himself into no man's land and the ball bounced over him? I mean, where do you where do you see that with the own goal? 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of chalk it up as just a comedy of errors. I mean, it, the, the play starts with a throw-in in Caprice's final third. So, um, everything that happens after that ball gets thrown back into play is just like, w- w- what? <laughs> so I don't really, you know, I don't really, um, you know, the criticism really kind of belongs all, all around in that one in terms of, you know, the, the again, the weather was bad, terrible. The field was slick. Um, you know, Jacob definitely doesn't need to hit that ball the way he does. And, I, you know, I think he, he shoulders some responsibility. And then Blake just plays it wrong. So um, I think it's one of those ones where, you know, you're talking about, you know, a, a defender, of the, a past defender of the year and a past uh, multiple year uh, goalkeeper of the year in MLS. Uh, so I think it's one of those ones you sort of um, just kind of write it off as, as what it was, sort of a fluke and, and a thing that unfortunately will uh, get played over and over again over the years um, and will unfortunately be used as a, as a, you know, way to make fun of MLS even um, even I saw someone sort of try to say, make a comment about the um, development in the U S which is weird when you're talking about a Norwegian center back and a Jamaican goalkeeper, but um, you know, it, is, it is one that, <laughs> that you sort of excuse. And uh, fortunately it, it didn't end up being, um, you know, it didn't end up being a one nil game because then that's really all we would be talking about right now. So fortunately that's not the no. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, all I can say is, unfortunately, you know, uh, now the union knows how the rest of MLS feels when the Norwegian hammer be, be, uh, bangs one in their net. Unfortunately, went to your net, but still, though, he's your guy. Uh, <laughs> um, going to Carranza, I mean, ever since he came up to the union, uh, he's been fantastic up front. I mean, I know he's worked well with Gazdag up as a you know, forward partners and stuff like striker partnership and everything. What has he been like, especially, you know, this is basically the union's first game of of the season outside of friendlies and that, the you know, whatever tournaments that the union have been involved with during the preseason. Yeah. um, Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's like you said, it's a game first competitive game. I mean, no amount of, I mean, they had a they had a tough game, that, you know, against Flamengo uh, to start the preseason, and you know, but you just sort of the preseason is its own thing, and I think to actually come in, you know, Saprissa had I think what eight games under their belt um, since they restarted their their league in Costa Rica, and you know, had was in a decent run of form, um, and you know, I think they they had a good side too. I mean. You know, one of the things about Saprissa is that you know you always recognize players who have played in MLS um, in their in their squad, and and that wasn't any different this time. And again, they had the they had the the crowd uh, really behind them, and you know they looked good. I you just couldn't finish. And so um, then I think the way I mean the, the thing that Carranza, I mean certainly the goals are going to get you uh, a lot of attention, but his defending, his defensive work, his work rate. Um, is is really what makes him such a just such a valuable asset to the union, and of course there's all sorts of questions about what's going to happen with him. Is he going to be transferred in the summer? Is he going to stay to the end of the year and then leave on a free? Uh, you know, it doesn't seem likely that the union will be able to to keep him beyond uh, beyond this year. So 
but yeah, his defensive work. I mean, he made a he made a key defensive play in the first half as well. Um, you don't really want your number nine in the box making defensive plays, but he's that type of guy who can do that when you're a little bit on the ropes and your back's against the wall. And you know, he's uh, you know he's he, he he I think he led the league in fouls for forwards last year, and that's because he does spend a lot of time defending. And I think he creates opportunities for himself because of his, his defensive work and his work rate. And so, I mean, just an outstanding performance, but really the guy does a lot of things that, that really um, the, the goals are sort of the icing on the cake with, with, with Julian in terms of just how well-rounded he is as a player and, you know, how much he, how much he gives to the team, um, even in a year where things are, you know, a little uncertain, he could, he would have reason to maybe be a little distracted and he has shown no signs of that, which is great. So let me ask you this, though. How disheartening was it to see Gerald Taylor in the 90th minute bang one from distance and beat Andre Blake to the uh, to the near corner there? Because, you know, we all know goal aggregate is very important. And that secondary goal kind of gave him a little more life to come over to Subaru Park for uh, the second leg next Friday. Yeah, I mean, at uh, three to one, it's over. I mean, uh, I don't think Saprisa has I, – I still think they have a tall task. Uh, but if it's three one with the three away goals, they you know it's it's basically done and dusted. So huge goal for them, credit to them. I mean they also created another chance, so they could have found an equalizer late. Uh, so again, I, I mean Rude's really impressed by their performance. Um, obviously they have the advantage and you know it's their home field, but but they really um, they really showed up uh, and 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 you know last time not so much, but also I think the return leg last time was. They lost a lot of players to COVID, so uh, that that won't be the case this time. But uh, you know, the Union are so tough in Subaru Park, and so it's going to be really hard for Saprissa to um, to get their way back in it. But the fact that they did get that second goal at least gives them um, gives them hope. I mean, a two two zero win, and, and they're through. So um, you know, if, if you Google the Union right now, it makes me a little nervous that. It's already posted uh, in the Google's calendar that they're playing Pachuca on, on uh, in March. So, uh, you know, if you're a super distant person, you don't like that either. But um, it definitely that goal gives them a gives them a real chance. Uh, even though it's they're basically playing, I think you could probably say that playing in Subaru Park is as hard will be will be again as hard for Saprisa. You know, again, they didn't get to play in front of a full crowd last time either. Um, as hard for Saprissa as it is for the Union to be playing in, in their stadium there in, um, in, in San Juan. So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, um, it, you know, it's great. This is, this is what, this is what we live for with this, these international competitions though. And it's great to see, you know, a proper, uh, you know, just a proper uh, tie between these two clubs. And, you know, especially since they had that history, it's nice to, to see a competitive match and I'm sure it'll be competitive. Uh, you know, I feel pretty confident the Union will pull it out uh, because they have that lead and those 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 three away goals. But uh, but no, it's it's great and it's good good um, good for uh, good for soccer on the you know, in this part of the world. No, absolutely, and uh, you know, obviously the big test will be Pachuca. But as you know as well as I do, we can't look uh, at the cart before the horse. We can't put the cart before the horse. You got to finish up that second leg and see what's going to happen. What do you think? In your mind, what do you think Jim Curtin's going to do uh, in that second leg? Because, I mean, like you said, you know, uh, you know, 3-1, it should have been done and dusted, and there's 3-2. But what do you think Jim Curtin's thinking of right now? Well, he's thinking of tomorrow um, with 
the Chicago Fire coming to town. Um, that's the focus uh, right now. They'll they'll have a short turnaround after that, but I think he's fielding his his full you know his best side on Saturday. Uh, you know, I, you know, you did. He was able to get some rotation in with that game. You know, bringing in Ali, bringing in Bueno. Um, you know, obviously with Jose on a, on a yellow card, that was that was the wise thing to do was to to get him off the field early with the lead. Um, so I think I think he's gonna, um, you know, uh, at least he's gonna start off probably with the same uh, same same or similar lineup. Uh, but then, you know, if they get that goal in the first half, you'll you'll see a lot of rotation again. Him probably using um, using multiple subs and, um, but um, yeah, with the with, it's an interesting, you know, way for the Union to start their season. You know, where they 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 start with a trip um, directly from Florida, which actually was better than coming from Philadelphia. But um, you know, and then turning around, opening league play and. And then going back at it on Tuesday night, but um, I think they're they'll be set up well. And coming out of preseason, you know, there 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 aren't a lot of injuries. I mean, there is a question mark now with Blake, and you know, it, it it's possible that we might not see Blake tomorrow because with with the mind for Tuesday. Uh, but um, that's that's a, that's going to be a game time decision. And generally, they're healthy. And you know, Elliot's Elliot's still dealing with some. Um, a bit of a, a bit of a knock, um, but generally they're they're in pretty good shape uh, set up for the weekend and then for the for the Tuesday second leg. Absolutely, and that'll be tough. Uh, you know as much as I you know, how much I uh, respect uh, Andre Blake, and I always consider him to be uh, the top goalkeeper in this confederation, especially for Jamaica's uh, national team. So losing him in that well, we'll see. Hopefully, he will play in that second leg, but. Um, it'd be tough if he's a game time decision and it's on the negative side. So hopefully that's not going to happen for the union, but we'll have to wait and see what the situation will be. Matt, as always, uh, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Uh, can't wait to talk to you next Friday, uh, after the second leg reviews, uh, as we're going to watch all these second leg matches next week. Thank you again. And I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the, uh, brand new season, Matt. Thanks again, as always. Thanks. Appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure. All right, thanks a lot. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Ralph, Philadelphia Soccer Now, uh, joining us tonight to talk about the Philadelphia Union and their involvement in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And they had a, you know, listen, and it, these clubs outside of Mexico or from Liga MX, you cannot, I repeat, you, you, you cannot take these clubs for granted. Cannot. Got to go out there. And you got to find a way to beat them. And you know, even these clubs from Costa Rica, they're strong as well. You got to make sure you play them strong, you play them hard, and you play them tough. So that's why you got to find a way to make sure that uh, you know when when MLS teams are taking on these clubs and ready to go for it. And uh, all I can say is is that hey, you got to make sure that you get over there. And you got to make sure you got to take them on and take them out. And uh, all you can do is just hope and pray. Hope and pray that basically, basically, uh, you got to go and play them and uh, just do what you can. That's all you can do. Just do what you can. Take them on, 
and uh, have a good match. Now, my next uh, guest, just waiting for him to call in, it's Sam Minton from The Blazing Musket talking about uh, New England Revolution facing against Club Atletico Independiente, and they defeated them one goal to nil. So just waiting for Mr. Uh, Sam Minton to join us tonight to talk about what's been going on. And uh, it's, uh, you know, once again, uh, this is uh, a big moment for the New England Revolution as they have returned to International Cup competition. And all you can say is for the Union, I shouldn't say for the Union, for the, uh, excuse me, for the Revolution, you know, they're going through new changes. They're going through... A lot of things. And all you can say is is that uh, going from the Bruce Arena era to the uh, Caleb Porter era, it's going to be an interesting year. I think it's still going to be strong. I think it's still going to be good. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there for the rest of the season. But once again, we're going to have to wait and see what the situation will be when Caleb Porter finally gets this team going. And uh, joining me right now is Mr. Sam Mitten from the Blazing Musket, as we're going to talk about the revolution. Sam, good evening, and how are you? How are you doing, Dan? I'm so sorry. I actually just got caught up in uh, some writing. I had some uh, reports coming out, but I'm so happy to be Absolutely. joining you today. No, listen, I'm happy you are, and listen, I'm glad you're busy because there's a lot. Th- there's a lot of American soccer news to write about. That's for sure. No problem at all here, Sam. But talking about the Revolution now under Caleb Porter, um, one goal was enough. But still, though, what were your overall impressions of how the Revolution looked in this match? Overall, you know, I definitely think there's some improvements to be made, but I think you can kind of see Porter's system, you know, coming to fruition, kind of being formed. Obviously, he's someone who kind of prefers the press, be on the front foot and kind of, you know, put other teams on, on the back foot and kind of in a, a passive position. So you definitely saw him motioning the players, trying to get them more forward, uh, you know, pressing, having a high line. And, you know, he did talk a lot uh, post game and even today uh, previewing the D.C. United match that the pitcher panel wasn't great, and I think you kind of see that with some of the passing and just some of the mistakes the team made. But it's going to be really interesting to see how, you know, someone like Giacomo Rioni, how the back line adjusts this new system. But overall, I think there's some work to be done. Still early days, but as long as you're able to get a win on the road, especially, you know, on a subpar pitch, you have to be pretty happy. No, I agree with you there, and they did get the away goal in the 54th minute. Chocolai, uh that was a hell of a shot. I was amazed that he really got it on frame, and he really blitzed. He destroyed the net uh, on Independiente from the Panama side. Uh, that was a great goal. Yeah, very impressive. And, you know, it was really interesting to see, you know, I just mentioned Brioni. He's someone who's kind of struggled to be that true number nine. He's great at running in behind, you know, getting in behind defenses, but being able to, you know, be physical, have an aerial presence. And you saw it, Nacho Hill sent the ball up. He was able to get up, win the header, notch it along over to Shankalai. And, you know, it's really impressive. He kind of pretty much almost like a one-timer per se. And, you know, he was able to get the perfect touch. It was a low shot, bounced off the ground, and then ended up leap, leaping over the goalkeeper. So he's someone that you know the rest of MLS has to keep an eye on 
Revolution now signed him to that DP deal. He's going to be staying here after, you know, being loaned uh, previously. So I think, especially when Dylan Barrero is healthy, having Shakalai and Barrero on the wings, that should be pretty scary to uh, opposing back lines in MLS. He really, really is, and he'll definitely be very dangerous to watch out and to watch out for, of course. Um, you know, I, I know it's only a goal, and yes, they got the win, they got the away goal, and that's always positive, but how many of the chances did you think were begging to be put into independent, uh, independent – I can't even say it. There were name anymore. What's wrong with me? Oh, my God. Uh, the opposition's net. I mean, I, I thought they should have had at least maybe another two to three, four goals to really blow them out of the water. Yeah, you know, Caleb Porter even mentioned it. So he, he wanted some more goals, and I think considering the chances, they definitely should have had those. You know, there was a great chance. I believe it was Rioni on a header, rocketed off the crossbar. Mark Anthony Kay also had a chance where he had the ball off of a set piece. And, you know, maybe Rioni could have, uh, you know, seen things a little bit better and getting a touch on it. So, yeah, I definitely think there are some chances, I think, especially against MLS talent and improved talent, you have to convert those chances, and you know it's going to be really interesting to see how the team performs against DC United. But I, I would agree with you; there were some chances left on the board, especially against a team that I think the Revolution are better than. You know, if you were able to get maybe two or three goals, especially you know with Caleb Porter it being his first game, I think that would have really set things on a real high note. But I think you know just getting the win is definitely impressive. But they definitely uh, could have had a few more chances and a few more goals. Absolutely. You know, um, I didn't know this happened, but, you know, getting Nick Lima to be on that back line uh, for Caleb Porter, I mean, to me, that's a steal for the revolution to beef up the back line. Uh, When did this happen? And, you know, how good did he look out there for you? Yeah, you you know, it was a move during the offseason. They made a trade uh, with Austin FC, I believe it was for some uh, GAM, or as a colleague of mine calls it, MLS Crypto. Uh, So, you know, they were able to make that offseason move. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because last season it was a real struggle point, a real pain point, especially for Revolution fans, the depth outside back. You know, there was times we saw Ben Sweat, uh, you know, getting starting minutes. Christian, uh, both of those guys are no longer on the team. So with Brandon By, you know, out for a significant period of time, I mean, I would imagine he misses at least half the season. I would probably say three-fourths of the season. You needed someone who could be a consistent presence who has experience playing right back. Obviously, Andrew Farrell is on the lineup, are on the roster, and he does have that experience, but he's better suited to center back and Caleb Porter. You know, that's how he sees uh, Farrell. He sees him as a center back. So you need to go and get someone. So being able to go get Nick Lima, you know, I think it was a smart move. Uh, I thought he had a decent game overall against Independiente. You know, he definitely looked like someone who still was kind of building fitness. Uh, you know, it was definitely a hot night down there. But I, oh, I would say he had, he had a decent game, definitely not a negative or poor game uh, per se. I think there's still more to come from him. Uh, but just being able to have him instead of having to play someone like Andrew Farrell there. We saw Matt Polster playing there at some point. It was a much-needed death move. So in that sense, it, you know, it was definitely a smart move by Kurt Offo in the front office to go out and get Lima. Um, and in goal, I think uh, – I mean, look, I don't know if he – 
Ravas had any you know really dangerous moments out there in the first ha- in the first leg, but still though, I mean, what, what's your feelings about him with all the goaltender goalkeeper rotations or who's going in, who's going out situations with this Revolution team? How do you think he looked in the in that match? Yeah, I think like like you said, wasn't really tested that much. Testament to him, you know, uh, you know, making some uh, smart passes and not putting himself into any mistakes, but also to testament to the back line but it's really interesting because obviously you have George Petrovic you have Matt Turner it seems whenever Noonan go, goes out and gets a gold uh, keeper you expect them to be in the Premier League in a, a year or two and I think Revolution fans need to kind of temper their expectations you know Ravis is a more mature goalkeeper especially compared to George Petrovic Petrovic is really young when he came over and still is really young over at Chelsea uh, Ravis more experience, you know, he has some experience in the lower leagues of England and primarily has spent, uh, you know, recently his time in Poland. So I think he's someone who could be with the revolution for a longer period of time, you know, could find MLS as his home. I don't necessarily see him going to the Premier League or, you know, one of those top leagues or, you know, maybe he can get into a Bundesliga or a Liga or, you know, similar to how the Revs have Tejan Buchanan made that transfer over to Club Brews. You know, maybe he could end up back there if he does want to go to Europe. But I don't think he's all of a sudden going to become the top goalkeeper in MLS and become someone who's getting looked at by Chelsea and all these top organizations. I think he's someone who could be here for the long term, which is a blessing in the sense that you could still get a top tier, you know, one of the top goalkeepers in MLS specifically. Uh here for a long period of time so considering the recent you know exports of the revolution i think revolution fans need to temper their expectations but they still have a pretty uh, quality goalkeeper in that right now i know it's early right now and i'll probably ask you this later on in the year but you know how weird is it that you know you went from bruce arena to clint pa now to caleb porter i mean what's the feeling like or what's the temperature with Revolution supporters right now, including yourself? Yeah, I would definitely say with Revolution supporters, it's just a really weird time because obviously you have Carlos Hill, you have Tomas Chancalai, you have Dylan Barrero, and you have all these talented players. So you would think that this team can be a, a top-quality team, and that they should be competing for trophies. But now you add in the fact that you have a new head coach who's going to be implementing a new system. And, you know, it, it was funny. Uh, just to kind of talk about the differences between a Bruce Arena and a Caleb Porter, you know, in the press conference today, uh, Porter mentioned how when he rotates players, he doesn't rotate more than about five or six because the analytics say that if you do that, you're most likely going to end up losing. And going from Bruce Arena, who thinks that tactics are this made-up concept, to Caleb Porter kind of talking about analytics and, you know, he's talked about sports science and kind of taking care of players in the past. Uh, It it just seems like night and day. So it's definitely interesting getting used to uh, having Caleb, who's a very chatty guy and, you know, likes to talk in press conferences compared to Bruce. It's just a whole new world. And, I mean, it, it will take some time to see if this whole new world kind of pans out and the revolution are able to be successful, but it's still kind of weird that, you know, Bruce isn't here and that you have this talented roster, but if you look 
at, you know, MLS.com's predictions, you know, predictions on our website. I think me personally, I, I predict the Revolution will come in like seventh place. But just last year, you know, they were at the top of the Eastern Conference. So it's the Revolution are in a weird place, I think it's fair to say. I agree with you there. And uh, look, it's not every day you go from a great high to all of a sudden, what the hell just happened? And now you have to reassess everything once again with a brand new coaching staff. So, no, I don't blame you for for that feeling. And uh, unfortunately, that's uh, where all of us are at right now, including all Revolution fans and, uh, you know, New England media. Um, and, of course, before we say goodnight, um, you know, the area where the Revolution want to build that stadium, uh, what have you heard? Is there uh, any new talks now going on with uh, the – the, the the town council in that neighborhood, I think, is Revere. I could be wrong. You know more. Please let us know. Yeah, so they're actually they're looking to uh, build it in Everett, but it, it's kind of in this weird situation because now we're getting into like bills and in, in like gov- local government and state government areas. So basically, currently the bill is waiting to be submitted to a committee. Has yet to do that yet. Um, there's a states are. Yeah, state senator who is very high on the on the bill. Uh, his name's escaping me right now, but it, it's kind of in this lagging period. We're waiting for the bill to be sent uh, to a committee. Usually, it's kind of formality, you know, something that happens relatively quickly, and it hasn't happened yet. So that's a bit uh, puzzling per se. But we're also in a weird time where uh, White Stadium is currently come coming under some backlash uh, from some different conservatory uh, agencies. So uh, it always seems like it's a challenge for, you know, whether it's the revolution or this future NWSL club uh, to get a stadium. But right now it's kind of in a holding pattern in terms of the revolution kind of getting more progress on a potential stadium and ever. Absolutely. Well, listen, Sam, thanks again for joining me tonight. Talk to you next week for that second league review and we'll see the revolution finish off this, this uh, tie Hopefully, lickety-split. Thanks again, and have a good night. You as well, Dan. Thank you so much. Thank you. Once again, Sam Minton from the Blazing Musket joining us tonight as we talk about, of course, the New England Revolution being involved in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. So as we move on here on the CONCACAF Champions Cup first leg, first round review show. Uh, Joining me very soon will be my next guest. He covers FC Cincinnati for Area Sports Network. It's Kenta Hagawara, as we are waiting for Kenta to call in and ready to go for this one. And all I can say is with... FC Cincinnati is this. You know, their first time in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Um, And it's uh, really, really uh, big uh, for them to make it after all the years they've tried to, uh, you know, make it into the big tournaments after going from USL to MLS, so, you know, just waiting to see everything that's going on, and uh, all I can say is, is that 
you know, that's a big moment for them. Uh, you know, everything that they've tried to do to be, you know, into these big tournaments, whether it be the Open Cup or the, uh, you know, qualifying for the Champions Cup. And, of course, you know, winning, winning trophies, of course. That is big, too. That is huge. And all you can do is hope and pray that they'll just keep on going. And uh, just keep on fighting and keep on finding ways to do things to uh, be positive. So all I can say is, is that, uh, you know, for FC Cincinnati, who was under a very good coach and Pat Noonan, you know, they're pretty good right now. So we'll see what happens there. And uh, we'll see what's going to happen there, and uh, hopefully uh, they'll keep on going. But, of course, this is the first step, and uh, we shall wait and see what's going to happen. And I believe we have our next guest on uh, from Area Sports Network covering FC Cincinnati, Mr. Kenta Hagawara. Kenta, are you there? I am here. Well, thank you for joining me tonight. And a big win for their very first international tournament in the Champions Cup for FC Cincinnati. What did you think about their performance? Yeah, they dominated possession, uh, 75% possession, according to, I think, Thought Mob here that I'm looking at right now. Got the better of the chances. Cavalry, uh, Cavalier, sorry, not Cavalry. Cavalier were just really willing to just sit back and absorb pressure and try to counter. And they got a couple of good chances, especially in the first half. But nothing really too threatening throughout the entirety of the match. You would like to see, I think, after Cincinnati score on a couple of those chances uh, and come home with a, a larger goal differential. But you'll always take a 2-0 win on the road uh, given the circumstances. And I think overall it's a pretty solid performance for the team. Now, I have to say this, and I'm not trying to claim anything negative or foul, but did, did you feel that Cavalier was kind of milking certain fouls that uh, they received or at least wasting as much time as possible in the first half? Um. I think that's a fair statement to make. Uh, I don't think it's just the first half issue, but yeah, I, I think that's a very fair statement to, to make on, I, I'm sure there's that clip going around of, uh, I, was it FC Cincinnati's Brett Halsey pushing someone inside the box in a very dramatic fall inside the box, uh, leading to some time taking off, taking off before play resumed. But yeah, I, it just felt like they were trying to slow the game down as much as possible, and it, w- it would make sense considering the amount of pressure they were absorbing throughout the match. Absolutely. But I will say this, though. That was a great goal there in first half stoppage time by Sergio Santos. Uh, I thought it was a little bit of a tight space, but he found a way to just bury that ball. Yeah, Santos uh, finished. He, he missed an earlier chance right in front of goal. He had the header from point-blank range and just kind of hit it right at the goalkeeper. Um, Bert Halsey set him up really well. I think he had 
three uh, successful dribbles out of four attempts during the match. Uh, my personal player of the match based off that performance in just 60 minutes and uh, filled in that left wing back role really well for Cincinnati and Santos finished off the chance that he got there. No, he really did. And, you know, just, you know, watching them playing the entire second half, I really thought Cincinnati was dominating possession. Uh, I really thought they were, you know, having great moments to bring the ball up the pitch. But, I mean, look, I know it's 2-0. You get two away goals. Malik Pinto made it 2-0. But did you feel like there could have been more for Cincinnati in this one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the the number of corner kicks, for instance, that FC Cincinnati had as an opportunity, 12 corner kicks on the match, and I don't think particularly any of them were taking, taken well by Acosta. Um, he didn't really capitalize on any of those chances to get, you know, your, your Miles Robinson, Matt Miazga, Ian Murphy kind of in the box, your big bodies in there. Um, didn't really give them a chance to, to make an impact in the match, and when you have that many dead ball opportunities, you'd like to take advantage of them, so... Certainly, you know, you'd like to see that scoreline go up. And I think it wasn't a perfect performance by any means by Cincinnati. No, absolutely not. And once again, that's only their first match of the season so far. And, of course, they'll get started uh, this weekend back in MLS. And we'll see what happens uh, with their opening uh, match this year and this weekend. But uh, still, though, very, very important tie here for FC Cincinnati. And uh, overall... Uh, just look, I, I thought they were at least they were they were solid on the ball. You really can't argue about that. It's just a situation. Unfortunately, you know the opposition. I, either they're flopping a lot, or you know, to me that just it just feels like when you see that happen. When when you see that happen, um, I don't know. It feels like that's more negative soccer than it is positive. You know. Sure, yeah, and I didn't. I really didn't expect it to to go right from the jump, you know. Uh, it, it's one thing if you're late in the game and you have a, a close game and you just want to carry that into the next, the, the second leg, and it's it's another thing where you're doing that from the first minute of the match, and that certainly caught me off guard, but they stuck through it for the entirety of the 90 minutes, and as I said, they got some decent chances on the counter at times and uh, just weren't able to really convert and make anything of them, but, yeah, it, it was... It wasn't the prettiest of soccer. No, it really wasn't. What would you like to see out of uh, Cincinnati in the second leg next week? Take on their defenders even more. Like, Brett Halsey, this is something I was commenting on during the match. Like, when he takes his defender on, one-on-one, he's, he's been electric. He's been so consistent. He's been good. Three out of four dribbles, as I said. Like, he's been really good. And for that, I gave him the man in the match. But t- too many times, I think he wasn't really looking to attack and with the team that was sitting back as much as Cavalier were, you'd expect them to keep attacking and put into applying the pressure. Uh, Cavalier now at TQL Stadium, they're going to have to chase this game and try to get at two goals. Ideally, probably three is what they're looking for to, to get that tie break advantage, um, which means that the game's going to probably open up pretty quick. Uh, so you'd like to see Luciano Costa on the ball a bit more and be able to create more chances on what I'd consider better grass and a better a better field. And um, they'll have Aaron Bupenzo available. He wasn't available uh, for Thursday's match due to some visa issues uh, for him potentially not being able to come back to the States in time for Sunday's match. 
against Toronto. So you have another incredible striker up top that you can you can use for your attack. So um, like to see that. Uh, like to see Acosta take advantage of of that open space that's going to probably form from the game being open and uh, yeah, just be rock solid defensively and see where it goes in the attack. What do you think Pat Noonan was thinking about uh, what changes he may he might have to make for this second leg? I really just think it's more about the legs and figuring out it's they, FC Cincinnati and a lot of these teams that have CONCACAF Champions Cups matches, like it's two two matches a week for two weeks in a row to start the season. It's a, it's a lot of minutes to put on to a lot of legs that aren't probably ready for it. So it's trying to figure out the balance of balancing those minutes, uh, especially for, you know, your, your wing backs. That's, that's a very, it's, it's a very exhausting position to play along, along with the midfield. Um, so you saw like Halsey come off after 60 minutes and Powell come on. So I, I think the biggest thing for Pat Noonan, not just for this competition, but for the season as a whole with so many matches coming up is how do you manage minutes? How do you give the younger players like Malik Pinto, like Kimi Ordonez, like Dada Valenzuela, more minutes to, to develop while still competing at the highest level? No, very true, and uh, that's a big moment right there, and hopefully Cincinnati will do it. So what's the feeling going on right now in the city? This is the very first time that FC Cincinnati will be involved in international club competition, uh, hosting that second leg at TQL Stadium. What's the feeling like going on right now in Cincinnati at the moment? I think the, I think the city's just ready for soccer. You know, it's, it's been a while since we've had a match played at TQL Stadium. It seems like Everyone's excited for Sunday's match when they host Toronto FC for the start of the regular season. And I'm sure that if, if they get a really good result or just a result in that match, that kind of momentum will carry into Wednesday's match against Cavalier on the, on the home picture. I, I don't think people are overly focusing on that match in comparison to just the fact that soccer's back and it's been, it's been a while. No, it really has, and uh, I know I'm going to be excited to watch uh, that match, especially uh, a good home crowd, good home cooking for uh, FC Cincinnati as I get ready to start this brand-new 2024 league season in Major League Soccer and everything else going on right there. Um, obviously, um, tough to see a player like Bar- uh, uh to get transferred out. What did he mean to the club? Uh, I mean, he was he was a really integral piece of what made FC Cincinnati what FC Cincinnati last year. His, uh, his ability to play on the ball on the left side, create chances from that wing. I mean, so if you go back and look at the the stats of like the the chances that he created, FC Cincinnati massively underperformed on on his crosses. And if you put those away, the amount of goals that they would have scored would have been through the roof. Um, and it's it's a big hole. I mean, that's that's an all-star level talent that you're losing now, and you you have to fill. Uh, obviously, they they just announced the signing of uh, Luca Oriano uh, as a left-footed right winger. That's exactly how Barrio came to Cincinnati in 2020. So I fully expect him to also make the move to left wing back, um, and we'll see how that transition goes. But I think also you. you you're happy with what you've seen from Brett Halsey on the left side. I think he had a really good game, as I said. And also, Yuya Kubo came to Cincinnati as a center forward. 
moved to the, the 10, the 8, the 6, and now he's playing both wing-back positions in the, in the first-ever international competition for FC Cincinnati. The versatility there is, is crazy. Um, so you have options. It's just uh, sometimes it's really difficult to replace that quality that Barrio had. No, absolutely, because, boy, I'll tell you, that big rip, I remember him the, in the Open Cup match in the, in the uh, quarterfinals against Pittsburgh. That was a damn good goal, you know, the way that he just ripped it from distance. That was just unbelievable what he did. And, uh, uh, I mean, you're going to lose a lot of quality in a player like that. But still, though, if, uh, you know, Chris Albright uh, is able to find a good replacement for him to fill in that hole, uh, then it should be a seamless transition. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, Kenta, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you next Friday for the second leg. And as always, sir, thank you for uh, your insights, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on, Daniel. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, once again is Mr. Kenta Hagiwara from Area Sports Network as we talked about FC Cincinnati in the 2024 CONCACAF Champions Cup. Once again, it is the first round, uh, and once again, the first leg of this CONCACAF Champions Cup. Of course, no longer the Champions League. It is now the Champions Cup as we get ready to talk more about what's going on in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And that is, of course, the two clubs facing each other, representing Major League Soccer. The Houston Dynamo were on the road to take on St. Louis City SC once again. Uh, There had to be a winner. There had to be a loser. And unfortunately, that's how it goes. And we got to get both men on the show, but we're going to go one at a time. So... Waiting right now for my next guest. Uh, This is the first time he's on my show. Uh, He has a show online called Soccer Made in St. Louis. And this gentleman covering St. Louis City SC, this is Mr. Dave Lang joining me. Dave, good evening, and how are you? Fine, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you for coming on, and thank you for taking the invitation. Um, so, obviously, we all know soccer is big in St. Louis, and uh, after a great inaugural season last year, unfortunately, the playoffs wasn't so great, but still, though, you qualified. The club qualified for the Champions Cup. How was that like seeing uh, St. Louis City Stadium filled to the hilt for a CONCACAF Champions Cup uh, first leg match? Uh, it was really uh, an exciting event because everybody's got a lot of pent-up uh, anxiety waiting for the season to start, and it all kind of came to the fore, you know, Tuesday night, uh, actually having a game to go to. Absolutely, and that was wonderful. Now, as we go along inside the match here in the first half, I, I mean, it looked like the Dynamo did take advantage or take a, a lead, but obviously VAR stepped in. For the audience, what was it that knocked that goal off? Um, the, the, the the player, not who scored the goal, but the player before that who received the build-up pass was offside, um, ah. according to VAR. I mean, so yeah, it was it, it was uh, a scary moment for City for sure because uh, to give up an early goal, for, uh, an away goal in, in the tournament, obviously, is not a good thing. 
No, it definitely is not. And, uh, you know, those away goals, they really do count. And they're really, really big. And uh, obviously, uh, it's one of those things that uh, you can not, as I said, you know, you cannot give up an away goal, especially at home, to your opponent. Because when you got to go to their place, it's going to be huge if they find a way to get a result against your side. But still, though, uh, Tim Parker gets that big goal in the second half uh, for that uh, that big first goal international club competition. What was that atmosphere like? Well, you know, he's an interesting story because before he came to St. Louis, um, he only had uh, two goals in eight previous seasons. Um, he had five last year in all competitions, and he scored the first goal Tuesday night. It was a magic moment because he scored their very first goal uh, in an MLS opener and he scored their first goal in the playoffs. So he's like, you know, the first goal guy. Even though he's a defender, he's their target guy on all their restarts um, when they're going going to the other opponent's goal. Mm-hmm. No, very true. Tim Parker, I've seen him play. Of course, uh, he started his career in Vancouver and got drafted, came to the New York Red Bulls in a trade, and, of course, uh, went to Houston, the, the opponent you're playing against. And uh, then he comes over in the expansion draft to St. Louis. And, uh, boy, he's been really – he's been pretty good on that back line, hasn't he? Um, you know, he's been a rock back there. Um, you know, the guy who's really the rock is the guy behind him, Roman Berkey. Um, when I – I wrote a book called year one, uh, St. Louis city SC, uh, that just came out a couple of weeks ago. And when I went back and rewatched the highlights again and again, it really, it, I knew Berkey had a great season, but when I went back and watched again and again, it was just incredible. You know, the, 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 the way he played throughout the season. I mean, they say you start at the back when you build your team and city certainly took that to the fore when they signed Berkey and then, you know, aligned with Tim Parker building a line in front of him. So they started from the back and, and built up last year. No, they really, really did. And, of course, unfortunately, the away goal did happen in the 72nd minute. Sebastian Kowalski, uh, that one, I mean, look, we have to admit, it was a nice goal, but, you know, uh, very big, big letdown by, you know, for by St. Louis right there. Yeah, it looked like it was going to be a very frustrating night until uh, – they got a goal from a highly unexpected source in the first minute of stoppage time. Uh, Hosei Kojima, their uh, first-round draft choice in the Super Draft. Um, uh, Bradley Carnell, the head coach, said he mainly just put him in on a hunch with uh, in the 87th minute, and then he scores the goal in uh, stoppage time that wins the game. So uh, that salvaged what would have been otherwise a very frustrating night for City. Really true. You know, I love that, don't you? You know, the man, that manager, he has a hunch of who he wants to put in there. Said, you know, I think this guy can do it, and he puts him out there, and look what happens. Well, it's interesting. In the preseason, uh, he impressed a lot of people. And on Sunday, I was on a uh, panel discussion in the, at the Missouri History Museum with John Ackworth, who is the uh, technical director for City. And somebody asked him, you know, who among the new guys, who's really impressed you? And Kojima was the first name he said. So. Uh, He's been, you know, impressing people within the club since he's, he's, he uh, joined them in preseason. No, I bet he has. And, boy, uh, big goal, big moment. And, boy, it's nothing to sneeze at, that's for sure. 2-1 the final. Um, what did Bradley Carnell say uh, after the match was over about uh, that first leg? Um, he said he was happy with the way the team, uh, you know, their style is to, 
um, press the other team, win the ball, and go to goal. And TC was was happy with that part of the game, although they didn't get the finish they wanted. Um, you know, Houston gives them a lot of credit. They played a, a very good game, even though they were missing some key people. Um, and, you know, Houston has a history of playing well in these tournaments, what they won the Open Cup last year, right? So, um, he, I, overall, I think he was happy being the first game. Um, I think his issue and every team's issue at, really in this tournament is how do you manage your roster when you have so many games in a short amount of time, you know, four games in 11 days for a uh, city in Houston and some of the other teams. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, uh, that's definitely Bradley Carnell for you. Another, you know, look, uh, once again, he was, originally came over from the New York Red Bulls, and uh, what I, I felt the year that he was the interim at the Red Bulls that he was going to be a very good head coach somewhere. I didn't think it'd be here in MLS. I thought I'd probably go internationally, but still, though, he's done an, an amazing job with St. Louis with last year, and hopefully he'll repeat it this year. Well, he was uh, 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 Lutz Fanestiel, a sporting director had um, mentored Carnell in Germany at some coaching clinics. And uh, when he was looking for a head coach, he thought of Carnell. Uh, uh, so that connection is what brought Carnell here. Uh, and also the big news today in St. Louis is that Fan and Steel uh, signed a contract extension through 2026 as the, the uh, sporting director of St. Louis City. So uh, he has connections all over the world, if you know of his, his history, being the only player who's played professionally in all six FIFA, uh, FIFA confederations, he has connections everywhere. Um, so he uses those connections to make things like this happen with Carnell and John Hackworth, who's one of his early hires, uh, plus some of the players he brought over, Berkey, uh, Edward Leuven, who's their uh, playmaker in midfield, things like that. So the carnell fianna Steel connection is what uh, led to Carnell coming here. That really sounds like an amazing thing. I did not know that he knew Carnell very well like that. And wow, I mean, if he can stay past 2026 for St. Louis City, I think, I mean, look, I'll say it right now. I mean, you know, St. Louis will be a very, very dangerous club for years on out if they can both have this positive stretch here past 2026. Yes, and I was, I think a lot of people who maybe know a little bit about how soccer operates was surprised that Fanta Steel has stayed this long because his name keeps popping up every time somebody in Europe or elsewhere is looking for a, a sporting director. You know, last summer they were saying uh, West Ham United was looking at him. Uh, in the fall, the Athletic came out with a story about Saudi Arabian teams looking at Fanta Steel. And so it, it was really uh, a feather in their hat that they were able to sign him and keep him for that that's this much longer. No, very true, very true, and hopefully there'll be more good fortune for St. Louis City SC. We'll see what happens uh, when this MLS season gets started. Um, if if I can ask you, you know, obviously the second leg is coming up next week. Um, what changes do you think Carnell should do, or in your mind, what do you think overall Carnell should be focusing on for that second leg over in H- downtown Houston? Um, well, he were, there were a few players who either didn't get much playing time Tuesday night or didn't play at all that would normally see action. So you're going to look at, you know, Leuven um, only played uh, the last 20 minutes of the game because he uh, missed almost two weeks going back to Germany to get his green card, which opens up an international slot on City's roster. 
So he's getting into playing shape. Maybe by next Tuesday he might play a half. Who knows? Um, uh, Nicholas Duyer, one of their pickups, a Danish uh, uh, left back, he didn't play the other night. You might could see him playing. Uh, Kyle Hebert, who was uh, who, who started 24 games last year, didn't play Tuesday night. Uh, Joachim Nilsson, uh, Swedish international, he was in Lewin's situation. He went back to Sweden to get a green card, so he's trying to build up his playing time. You know, get in shape. Um, Nokvi Thorsson, the Iceland international midfielder, he didn't play either. So those guys are going to, I think, get some playing time either tomorrow night when they play Real Salt Lake in an MLS opener or Tuesday night. You know, again, it's back to this, how do I manage my roster so I don't burn out guys too soon or, you know, and, and make the best use of the guys I've got. Very, very true. And for those of us that don't really uh, read about St. Louis City or uh, don't follow, or don't follow you, just give us uh, like where do you cover them as well? Not just on the show that you do, but um, you know where do you cover the club and uh, what's your socials if you don't mind? Um, my uh, X account or Twitter account is uh, Soccer Made in STL. That uh, that's my handle. Uh, Facebook, it's David Lang. Uh, that's where I post all my soccer stuff. Um, mainly, I, I, I'm now just a, a, an author. I, I wrote, I covered soccer in St. Louis since the early 70s, believe it or not, for a couple of newspapers in town, the old St. Louis School of Democrat that went out of business. Um, so mainly uh, now I'm just writing freelance stuff when people need stuff or, you know, coming on shows like yours to talk about um, um, soccer here in St. Louis. Absolutely, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, you're you're a St. Louis soccer historian. That's fantastic. Yes, um, I wrote a book called Soccer Made in St. Louis. Um, it's the only really history of the game, and the history here is really rich, as I'm sure you know. It goes all the way back to the 1870s, and um, they've turned out I think 77 local players who played at least one game for the U.S. men's team. Um, and it continues today. You know, whenever Becky Sauerbrunn plays for the women or Tim Ream plays for the men, St. Louis people, they're captains of the team. Um, Josh Sargent is having a great run at Norwich City. He's another St. Louis product. Um, so St. Louis continues to turn out um, these great players as they have for many, many years. Did you see the goal that Tim Ream scored for the Red Bulls against the Colorado Rapids back in 2010? No, I did not. No, oh. I did not. You- Okay, it's, I, I believe it's on YouTube, so you should type in uh, Tim Ream goal versus Colorado 2010. I'll check that out, yeah. That, yeah, because that was a, a great Tim, goal. Tim a, yes, yes. I mean, he's uh, closing in on having more caps than any St. Louis men's player. Um, so uh, he's making a name for himself in, in the rich history of St. Louis soccer for sure. Absolutely, and uh, hopefully he'll come back. Maybe one, maybe we'll have one more year left in him. Maybe he'll play for St. Louis City. I think that'll be excellent to see that happen. Yeah, and um, I'm hearing some talk. I don't know how um, accurate it is, but you know, at some point, I think they'd like to bring Josh Sargent back. Um, you know, he's ah. obviously got his sights set on 2026 World Cup, but uh, beyond that, who knows? Uh, just you know, having a local guy as your striker. I mean, what a what a coup that would be if, if at some point they could bring him back. Absolutely, and it'd be nice to have a St. Louis native return and play over an MLS, especially a guy like Josh Sargent, and hopefully that will happen somewhere down the road, Dave. That'd be fantastic. Yes. 
Absolutely. Dave, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, have you back on next week. And uh, thank you once again for your time. And I uh, hope you have a good night and uh, good luck uh, for the second leg. Thank you very much. And uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Good luck to you. Thank you. You have a good night as well. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Dave Lang, Soccer Made in St. Louis. That's Soccer Made in STL as he joins us to talk about uh, St. Louis City's uh, match in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. And, ladies and gentlemen, of course, as we've already said, there is a winner that we have to talk with. And, unfortunately, the opposition, uh, there's a loser, unfortunately, that's uh, going along in this. So uh, we have to get their their two cents in this one as we await now for my good friend down in uh, H-Town in Houston, uh, Derek Stowers from Bayou Soccer City, as we await for him to join us. And hopefully uh, uh, it, it won't be that uh, that hard for him to talk about it, because uh, once again, they are in there, ready to go. And uh, we'll see uh, what's going on, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see uh, what the situation is. And uh, I believe we have him on right now. Not yet. I thought we did have uh, Derek Stowers on. Not yet. And hopefully he will talk about the situation involving the Houston Dynamo uh, on their end of the match uh, against St. Louis City SC. So while we do wait for Derek Stowers to join us tonight, let's just quickly recap the other two matches that were also played uh, representing MLS. And of course, the very first international club competition match between Orlando City and the Canadian Premier League's Cavalry FC. Um, look, Orlando, what can you say? The better side. Uh, they were absolutely brilliant. Cavalry did a very good job of being in the match. I think uh, their head coach uh, would definitely tell you that he was happy in Mr. Tommy Wielden Jr. I mean, his team was in it. They were fighting. They were scratching, clawing, trying to get a goal. And unfortunately for them, uh, Orlando was just too hard and uh, too hot to handle. Pedro Galese in goal, of course, the octopus uh, in goal, the Chilean international goalkeeper, just made sure that Orlando was going to remain up top and be in the lead. Let's see, maybe we have Derek on now. Try your call again later. Nope, we don't have him on at the moment, so we'll wait for Derek uh, to call in, and hopefully uh, he will be ready to go. Uh, And uh, once again, as we are trying to contact Derek Stowers, and yes, he's... I'm having issues with, uh, let's see, maybe, uh, probably not, but we'll wait and see. Please, try your call again later. No. No. So hang on one second, Liz. Let's try something else here. There we go. And let's see if we can get 
Mr. Stower is on. But uh, as I was saying before, uh, Orlando doing a damn good job with the match, winning it three goals to nil. And obviously, they found a way to get the victory. Facundo Torres getting that two goal, uh, two goals in the match to find a way to uh, get everything going. And let's see if we can get him in now. Let's see here. Hey, all right. And there he is. <laughs> and we're having uh, connection issues here, not just on his side, but my side as well. It's not his fault. I'll just have to yell at the uh, board operator. Oh, wait, that's me. But and, still, though, I'm going to yell at somebody. Derek Stowers from Bayou, so- Bayou Soccer City joining me tonight. And uh, Derek, unfortunately, uh, like I said earlier, look, there has to be a winner, there has to be a loser, and unfortunately for Houston, they fell two goals to one in their match in St. Louis City. Well, overall, what did you think about the performance? You know, I, <laughs> it, 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 it's always, you know, um, not pleasant when, when you don't, when your team doesn't win, but, um, I was actually, um, Pleasantly surprised by um, some of the the performances, um, and you know, I think when you can take some of the positives out of a loss, um, and and you can find them, uh, that's that's always a, a good thing. I think, um, you know, it, it, especially coming in, you know, as early into the the season as it is, when you can find some of the the positives i was uh you know even though we conceded two goals i thought that the defense actually looked uh pretty good they were really adept at uh winning uh the second ball um and um they 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 possessed pretty well so despite you know being outshot i think it was like a, i don't know 14 or something to 6 they uh were relatively uh competitive at putting their uh their shots on frame um you know when your starting center forward goes out with a hamstring injury that's uh pretty difficult to to come back from but uh i i was pleasantly surprised by uh, a number of different things uh the possession like i said the uh, the way that they moved the ball from back to the front uh they just kind of struggled in the uh the final third which you know again playing on the road is not the worst thing that can happen but you would like to see a little bit more um and then you know there there was also the uh the offside goal that you know the game easily could have been a lot closer than um 2-1 so uh overall you yeah, like you were saying, it, it kind of stinks that your team doesn't win. But at the end of the day, um, you look at you look at the positives, and you know the second leg's coming back to Houston, so we got an away goal. That's that's a positive. So 
I'll take no, it. No, it is. No, absolutely. No, 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 no. Be positive about that because I'll tell you right now. Um, I mean, if you want to say it should have been 2-2, two, two, I, I would probably go along with that. Uh, that must have been tough to see uh, that uh, first goal wiped out due to VAR. As they say, it was an offside play. Uh, that, that didn't make you feel good, did it? No, no, no. Uh, and, you know, um, you know, I, I have some uh, refereeing experience, not at, you know, the pro level or anything like that, but you know, I I think that goal maybe should have stood if um, if there if uh, Aliu didn't get a touch on it um, because if he did, then Coco's off. But uh, but if if he didn't get a touch on it, he was on. Uh, so you know, I'm not bitter, but. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, you, you can still look at some of those things as uh, positives. You know, even, you know, just seeing the ball go in the back of the net, I think, is, uh, in terms of a confidence booster, I think, pretty big. And, um, you know, kind of disappointing that they weren't able to, you know, be be level. But I think, um, I think that they played at least uh, – relatively level with their their opposition and you know uh on the road that's pretty good to say especially against st louis i mean st louis they had a uh, tremendous season uh last year so um i think that's pretty good especially you know when you consider center forward went out with an injury or arguably our best player in uh ace ace um injured um so, you know, pretty, you know, plenty, plenty of positives to take away from uh, from the game, especially again for being the uh, the first real competitive match of the uh, of the season. Very true. Uh, tough break in the 61st minute. Obviously, Tim Parker made it one nil. Fabulous goal. He did score. What was that feeling like? Unfortunately. Oh uh, well, you know, you never you never want. A, a former player to to get one over on you, and uh, it was uh, I mean it was a great delivery in uh, and a, a great finish. So uh, yeah, I, you you never really want that to, to happen to you. And I was kind of kind of happy that Tim Parker's uh, celebration was uh, a little subdued, at least you know giving plenty of credit to. Um, his former club, but yeah, you know, it stinks. Uh, it was just really good. I mean, you know, after, you know, uh, how well I've been, you know, was looking at, um, how well the defense had been playing, you know, you never want to give, give away something that you think is relatively, uh, soft. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it stinks, uh, but, it is what it is. I mean, you know, never, uh, you know, you can't really uh, switch off, uh, so to speak. So the uh, the defense, you know, uh, there were uh, some really good players and some uh, not so great uh, things. I think um, one of our uh, writers for Bayou City Soccer, uh, Joe, he <laughs> – 
he did a uh, play ratings thing, and he was not kind to Tate Schmidt and uh, Zviachenko. So, uh, you know, Clark can only do uh, so much. But Clark was a standout for me. I thought he he performed incredibly well, um, all things considered. But, you know, you you can't save them all. That's true. Unfortunately, you wish you you wish they could, but unfortunately, they just can't save them all. Um, but still, though, uh, you know, getting that goal from Kowalski was pretty damn good. Uh, at least getting a away goal and, and saving themselves. But you know, at the end, unfortunately, in sec- second half stoppage time, it was Kojima that made it two one. But would have been Olsen say, or were you able to get uh, in from you know uh, a Zoom going uh, to find out what did Ben Olsen say about the performance? Uh, pretty, pretty much, you know, uh, a lot of the things that, that I've been saying that, you know, it's a, it's unfortunate that, you know, they weren't able to come away with a, uh, positive result, but at the same time, you know, there's plenty to draw from and, uh, really to, uh, to pull from and to go into the next, uh, couple of games, you know, uh, we've got Kansas city coming up, uh, tomorrow, and then on next Tuesday, um, you know, the second leg of uh, St. Louis. So there's kind of a lot of different things all um, kind of coming uh, coming together. So it's uh, – you really want to definitely focus on the positives and not really pull from, uh, you know, it, it stinks that they weren't able to get the win. But, you know, uh, when you're able to get something uh, – on the road, even, you know, one goal maybe should have been two, but um, that's uh, certainly something um, something positive to look at. And um, that's, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's more or less, uh, that was more or less Ben Olsen's sentiment anyways, um, which is, you know, pretty refreshing. You know, you, you like to hear... Uh, head coaches be uh, realistic but also positive at the same time. Very true. What do you think they need to do in the second leg at home? I mean, obviously you got to score some goals here because one goal will definitely put at least an advantage on the away goal. But what, what do you think Ben Olsen needs to do to make the second leg really, you know, in favor of them as Shell Energy Stadium is a fortress for the Dynamo? Yeah, uh what they need to do is uh like like you alluded to anyway was is put the ball in the net, but uh what what they need to do is really connect the the middle third of the field with the final third of the field. I think if the the defense can remain kind of at the the level that they've been playing at, that I think will especially in front of a home audience will uh go a long way in uh keeping uh St. Louis off of the the score sheet but i think you know they they just some of those final passes need to to happen and you know to to really set themselves up for uh success because if they can't if if they if they're not able to come up with some of these you know passes to set up themselves for uh attempts on goal if they're not able to um 
to really convert, that's you know there there's no way out of uh, of that hole that they've already found themselves in. So they they really need to to find a way to be uh, creative on the offensive side, and I think they're more than capable of being able to do that. But I think um, I think that they uh, they might struggle, so who knows? But that's that's what they have to do. <laughs> that's all. That's all they have to do. They got to find a way to get that victory. They got to find a way to take that second leg, and uh, hopefully they will be able to do it. And we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen uh, next week. But other than that, Derek, thank you very much for your time. I'm glad we were able to get you into the into the show. And uh, next time, <laughs> I will have a conversation with my board operator. Once again, it's only me because I'm running the whole damn thing, but still though. I'll talk to my board operator and I'll make sure that uh, we don't have these uh, communication problems happen again. That's that's for sure. But what uh, you know, I'm only kidding around, but I, I will have a conversation with yeah. the provider. But other than that, thanks again. Talk to you soon. And uh, enjoy the weekend and I will talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. All right, thank you. Once again, Derek Stowers, Bayou Soccer City, as uh, the Houston Dynamo sadly fall to a final of two goals to one in the first leg, but they do have that away goal, and they're going to head back home now to take on St. Louis City SC over at their place. Now, once again, let's go back to the match between Orlando City and Cavalry, and once again, it was over in Canada at uh, Starlight Stadium in Victoria, Alberta, Excuse me, Victoria, uh, British Columbia, and uh, and once again, Orlando City doing a job there. Duncan McGuire in the 21st minute for Quinto Torres scored two goals. The first one was in the 38th minute to make it two nil, <clears throat> and then he makes the second goal happen, the third for Orlando City in the 76th minute. But once again, clean sheet for uh, Orlando City as they move on to the next round, and of course. Finally, Nashville SC taking on Mocha FC as uh, they were playing at the Santiago de los Caballeros at uh, Cibao Stadium. Now, for those of you wondering about why am I even mentioning this, because it was at the city of Santiago de los Caballeros, now Mocha FC. Uh, plays in the in the Dominican Republic. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Cibao, the stadium, if you remember it, uh, last year, with Violet, they used that stadium as the home ground, and on the behind the net on the right side is that big giant tree, and Austin FC fell to Violet. Three goals to nil. But in this case, it was Nashville that destroyed Mocha FC. Three goals to nil. Great goals from Hanny Mukhtar in the 12th minute, Sam Surge in the 25th, and Tyler Boyd in the 75th. Mocha had no chance. <coughs> Excuse me. Mocha had no chance at all in this one. And the Dominican Republic side falls to the Music City side, three goals to nil. All three goals are away goals. And now they're going to head back to Geodis Park for next week. 
So that is your matches for the first leg. Here are the here is the schedule for the second leg of the first round for Major League Soccer clubs in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. <clears throat> Triple header on Tuesday, February the 27th. At 6 p.m. Eastern, Orlando City SC will take on Cavalry. At 8.15 Eastern, Philadelphia Union will take on Deportivo Saprissa. And at 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central, Houston Dynamo will be taking on St. Louis City. And that will, all three matches on Tuesday will be on Fox Sports 2. On Wednesday, February the 28th, FC Cincinnati taking on Cavalier FC. And that will be at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be on Tubi, Tubi.com. Go to the Fox Sports on Tubi section, and you'll be able to watch it there without a problem. And then at 9.15 p.m. Eastern, Nashville SC will be hosting Mocha FC. You can watch that on Fox Sports 2. <coughs> Excuse me. And finally, because it is a leap year, Thursday, the February the 29th, the lone match of the night, the New England Revolution taking on Club Atletico Independiente at 8.15 p.m. Eastern. That'll be on Fox Sports 2. A lot of fun, a lot of excitement. Cannot wait to see what's going to happen there. want to thank my guests tonight. I want to thank Matt Ralph from Philadelphia Soccer Now, uh, Sam Minton, the Blazing Musket. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Kenta Hagiwara from Area Sportsnet. I want to thank Dave Lang from Soccer Made in St. Louis. And finally, Derek Stowers from Bayou Soccer City. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Join me this coming Monday for another regular Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please, please, enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long and have a good night. Bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody. Enjoy your football.